0: Shalom, I'm Yaakov, and you're listening to Line Upon Online, a podcast dedicated to a Messiah essential understanding of the scriptures. In today's episode, we continue our study of Sefer Yaakov, the book of James, with chapter 1, verses 16 through to 27. And I'm going to begin by reading you my translation using the Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew texts, Beginning at verse 16. Don't wander, err, be deceived, my completely loved brothers and sisters. Every good, complete, perfect, full thing given, and every perfect gift is from above, descending from the Father of luminaries, lights, With whom there is no fickleness, transmutation, no state of being in between phases of orbit, or revolving, turning, shadowing. In exercising his will, he birthed us in the word, essence, substance, the truth, so that we would be made a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Wherefore, see... Perceive, my completely loved brothers and sisters. Let everyone, individually and collectively, be quick to hear, listen, understand, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For a human being's wrath does not bring about the righteousness of God the Judge. Therefore, put aside Lay off, rid yourselves individually and collectively of all filthiness, defilement and the abundance of surplus of malice, wickedness, evil. And receive with gentle humility the inborn word, essence, substance, which is able to save your soul, life, mind, self, heart, core being. For now be made doers, performers of the word, essence, substance, and not just hearers who deceive themselves. Because if a certain one is a hearer of the word, essence, substance, and not a doer, performer, that person is like a man who looks, considers the face of his nature, his origin in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets, loses from his mind what kind of person he was. But one who bends over, stoops down to look intently into the Torah, law, perfected, complete, whole, the Torah of the freedom, and abides, stays in it, not becoming a hearer who intentionally forgets, puts from his mind, is negligent, but is made an intentional doer, a toiler, this person will continue to be blessed, happy in what he does. If a person thinks himself to be religious, a servant of God, yet doesn't bridle, guide, direct his tongue, but deceives his own heart, core being, this person's religion, service to God, is vain, worthless, pure, clean, clear and undefiled religion, service before the face of the God, Judge and Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their distress, trouble, affliction, and to keep one's soul unspotted by this world. Now let's take a look at verses 16 through to 27 of Sefir Yaakov chapter 1, line by line. Let's read verse 16 and 17 together. Don't wander, err, be deceived, my completely loved brothers and sisters. Every good, complete, perfect, full thing given and every perfect gift is from above descending from the father of luminaries, lights, with whom there is no fickleness, transmutation, no state of being in between phases of orbit, or revolving, turning, shadowing. So we have this phrase, don't wander, err, be deceived. And this is a warning to those who may be tempted, as described in verses 13 to 15, Wandering was the result of Israel's decision to sin against God when he commanded Israel to enter the land of promise. We read about that in Numbers 13 and 14. The writer employs the same turn of phrase here, making it a drash, a comparative teaching concerning entry into the Olam Haba, the world to come, through the King Messiah Yeshua, a familiar name, given that Yeshua is essentially Joshua. In short, the writer is saying, don't do what our ancestors did when they refused to go into the land. To wander from intimate relationship with the Father is to place oneself in jeopardy. We then read, my completely loved brothers and sisters. And in plain English, we could read, my fellow Jewish believers, Dearly loved in God. After all, this work is written specifically to the twelve tribes of Israel dispersed throughout the known world. We then read, Every good thing. This includes the good inclination, Yetzir Hatov. All good comes from God and is in opposition to the temptation that seeds sin and births death as we've read about in verses 13 to 15. That which is good, complete, perfect, full, comes from El Elyon, the supreme God, who is here called Father. Hashem, the Father God and creator of all things, including the orbiting lights of the heavens, the sun, the moon, etc., which have been worshipped throughout the millennia by pagans, but are nonetheless subject to the God of Israel. He is the supreme king over all things and is named Father. For those Jews who are in Messiah, God is not only creator of and ruler over all things, but is also Father, Abba, Daddy. Thus the Spirit of the Son cries, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 Unlike the created lights of the heavens, God is not subject to being in between phases of orbit, nor is he revolving around anything or anyone. A light source doesn't cause shadow. Shadow is caused by an object coming between the recipient of light and the light source. Thus, it is impossible for God to cast shadow in a figurative sense, because God is all existing light and in him there is no darkness. Put concisely, unlike the sun, a created light source, nothing can come between the believer and God. This is why the scripture says, even the darkness is as light to you, meaning nothing is hidden from you. This is one of the many ways scripture explains that God is the same, yesterday, today and forever. Because he is holy and unchanging, he is trustworthy. Then we read, Descending from the Father of Luminaries, Using above and below as figures for that which originates from God, versus that which originates from fallen humanity, Yaakov reminds his hearers of the transformative difference that receiving birth from above makes. The good that God gives, like his nature, does not waver. It is not indecisive, like the action of the one who cannot receive wisdom, as described in verses 6-8 to of this chapter. On the contrary, by his loving and gracious will, God has given the ultimate gift, the gift that connects us again to truth. He has imparted himself, God with us, imanu el. Ha emet, the word of truth, Yeshua. Truth himself has brought us out of darkness into a place without transition or shadow through the message of truth. When we receive Yeshua, we are no longer planets orbiting the Creator, the all-existing light source. Rather, we have been made Echad One, in the Creator. We are not God, but we are united as sons and daughters, born of His Spirit through the blood of the King Messiah, Yeshua. Verse 18 reads, In exercising his will, he birthed us in the word, essence, substance, the truth, so that we would be made a kind of first fruits among his creatures. There's no need to make the false choice between interpreting the word of truth as referring to the Messiah or to the gospel message. The answer is that the word of truth refers both to the Messiah, Hadevarimet, and to his message, Yeshua being the author and goal of the gospel message. The Hebrew text reads, the word, the truth. The first century Messianic Jews of both Eretz Israel and the Diaspora had been afforded the opportunity to be a first fruits offering. We note that Shavuot, or Pentecost, that occasion when the Holy Spirit was poured out and infilled the believers, was an occasion attended entirely by Jews who had come from all over the known world. It was the Jewish people who were the first fruits, the first to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then from there, the message went out into the nations they had come from. Romans 8, one sixteen to 16-17 reads, For I am not ashamed of the good news, true message. It is the power of God for Yeshua, for salvation to everyone who has faith, trust, continually to the Jew first and also continually to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith. For faith. Verse 19 reads Wherefore, see, perceive, my completely loved brothers and sisters, let everyone individually and collectively be quick to hear, listen, understand, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for a human being's wrath does not bring about the righteousness of God the Judge. First, we have this phrase, be quick to hear. This doesn't mean be quick to listen to everything and everyone. Rather, it means be quick to listen to and receive that which is from above, from the Father of the luminaries. Being quick to hear godly things is an idea that's also found in the Talmud Bavli. Numerous other ancient Jewish commentators teach that if a word is worth one shekel, silence is worth two. Silence is said to be the spice of speech and the chief of all spices, the hedge of wisdom. The sage Shammai says, Say little and do much. The Talmud Bavli Sanhedrin following 7-1 says, Be silent and hear. We note that the recipients of this work are admonished to be slow to wrath. Wrath is the progeny of anger. Godly wrath is enacted in righteousness as a just response to evil. In this case, it is not anger itself or even wrath itself that the recipients are being warned against, but the anger, wrath, born of the sin-affected nature of human beings. This ungodly wrath is not good because it has not originated from above. Additionally, and as a general principle, it is in our nature to push for our own agenda in life. We often neglect the helpful conversation of others in order to pronounce our own knowledge. We are in our fallen state. Inclined to allow the temptation to promote our own point of view, to give birth to the sin of rash words, and when confronted in truth, we respond in ungodly anger. Because we are filled with the Spirit of God, we must be tempered by the instruction of God in this present world. In Messiah, we are to instruct ourselves with these words and make a habit of choosing firstly to listen, then respond with care, and, if challenged, to repeat the process so as not to allow fallen human anger to birth unrighteousness. 1 Timothy 2, eight reads, I will, therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without ungodly wrath and doubting. Verse 21 reads, Therefore put aside, lay off, rid yourselves individually and collectively of all filthiness, defilement, and the abundance of, surplus of malice, wickedness, evil and receive with gentle humility the inborn word essence substance which is able to save your soul life mind self heart core being the jewish believer is here instructed to intentionally put aside cast off, strip himself of filthiness and the abundance of grudge-holding malice and evil attached to the old way of life which is fed by the yetzir hara, the evil inclination or fallen nature. The phrase surplus malice is an interesting one. And this is because it may well be an allusion to the metaphor of the removal of foreskin, which is used by Jeremiah to warn the people of Judah and Jerusalem to dedicate their hearts to God through the removal of their surplus of wickedness. Jeremiah 4.4 reads, Circumcise yourselves to Adonai and remove the foreskins of your collective heart core being, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire that burns so that nothing can quench it because of the evil of your doings. The Targum paraphrases the same passage of Jeremiah as the removal of the wickedness of your hearts, so that the term wickedness is made synonymous with foreskin. Messiah in us propels us into action. No one can live a truly righteous existence devoid of Messiah, nor can anyone claiming to have received Messiah fail to act in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is pretext to the teaching that follows concerning the unified relationship of faith and action. Filthiness and wickedness are born of lust and pride, neither of which can receive anything, as explained in verses 6 to 8 of the current chapter. Because they compete within us and leave us undecided, we are then unable to choose the good. Humility. The act of recognizing our own spiritual poverty is the only state in which we are capable of receiving the inborn word, essence, substance, that is Yeshua himself, who is able to save our entire being. This word of truth is Messiah himself, the very essence, author, and goal of the Torah instruction of God. 2 Timothy 3.15 reads, And that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Messiah, Yeshua. Verses 22 and 23 read, For now be made doers, performers of the word, essence, substance, and not just hearers who deceive themselves. Because if a certain one is a hearer of the word, essence, substance, and not a doer, performer, that person is like a man who looks, considers the face of his nature, his origin, in a mirror. Prove yourselves is a poor translation of the Greek text. In modern English, the idea of proving oneself denotes the work of the individual as the mechanism for proving. This is not what the text says. Rather, it says, be made. By necessity, to be made requires a maker. In this case, it is the word received and the resulting salvation of the previous verse that informs the present text. The Word himself is the Maker. Yeshua in us makes us doers of the Word, the Word being himself. Therefore, we read, be made doers of the Word. We are both from the Word and living examples of the Word in practice. The scripture goes on to say, being doers of the Word and not hearers only. This statement has been said by some to be contrary to the writing of Rav Shaul and Yohanan. However, it is consistent with the teachings of both writers, and in addition to this, it is very likely the platform for their words on the same subject, given that this book was likely written between 10 and 20 years prior to the other New Testament writings. Yaakov is not saying that your actions save you. In fact, he has just said prior to this that it is the humble receiving of the word, the Messiah, that saves you. Yaakov is simply saying, don't return again to the bondage of self-delusion. Let the inborn word birth right action. Your actions will be the fruit of your new condition." Only those who do not receive the word of truth with humility will find themselves in a situation where their actions prove them devoid of truth. This is self-deception. Some believe, and I agree, that this letter of Yaakov was a favourite of Yohanan, that is, John, and Rav Shaul, Paul, Shalia, Paul the Apostle, prior to the writing of their works. Romans 2.13 reads, For it is not the hearers of the Torah who are justified before God, but the doers of the Torah shall be justified. Interestingly, Rav Shimon in Pukei of Vod, a traditional Jewish document, says, Study is not the most important thing, but actions. Whoever indulges in too many words brings about sin." Verse 24 reads, For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets, loses from his mind, what kind of person he was. But one who bends over, stoops down to look intently into the Torah perfected, complete, whole, the Torah of the freedom, and abides, stays in it, not becoming a hearer who intentionally forgets, puts from his mind, is negligent, but is made an intentional doer, a toiler, this person will continue to be blessed, happy in what he does. The mirror analogy is central to our understanding of this teaching. What kind of use of a mirror would cause a person to immediately forget what they looked like? The answer, of course, is a fleeting use, a passing gaze long enough to determine the basic outline of one's features and nothing more. This is the kind of use that results in forgetting one's self. On the other hand, Yaakov suggests, as all great Hebrew poets might, that to gaze intently into the Torah completed, the goal being Yeshua, the Torah of freedom, and to dwell in its reflection continually responding to what we see, will bring blessing in all we do. The plain meaning compares the fickle nature of human recollection by sight with the failure to act in response to God's word. The remes or hint at deeper meaning speaks to the nature of human beings. The reflection in the mirror is the natural face of the sin-affected human being, who, at his origin, chose to rebel against God. The one who looks at this reflection of himself and realizes that action must take place in order to show himself reborn unto righteousness, who then nonetheless walks away and immediately forgets his need, subsequently fails to act. Thus, proving that he has not been reborn. Why? Because he has looked at his sin nature in the mirror rather than looking at the perfected Torah of God, which points to Yeshua, the one who is both the means and strength of our faith in action. We notice that the next phrase reads, one who bends over stoops down to look intently. We note that the reflection of the perfected Torah is one that must be stooped down to, or bent over, in order to view it. This denotes a reflective surface below or beside the viewer, a body of water perhaps, a mikveh. Additionally, where the one who looks at himself in the mirror is either holding it or viewing it in an upright position of pride, The one who looks into the perfected Torah must humble himself, stoop down, bend over in order to look into it. In short, change does not come about by looking at the reflected sin-affected nature, but by receiving the living word Yeshua and gazing intently into the perfected Torah we must be careful not to misinterpret this as referring to the Torah of Moses in its entirety, much of which will no longer be necessary in the Olam Haba, the world to come. Why? Because there will be no sin and therefore no need for the negative commandments like thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal. But the perfected Torah that is, the Torah that is also called the Torah of freedom found in Messiah, that is the Torah that's being referred to here. That is, those parts of the word of God, including some of the parts of the Torah of Moses, that are eternally present in Messiah Yeshua. This is why Yeshua says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, so that He may be with you forever. The Helper is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him, because He remains with you and will be in you. John fourteen, fifteen 15-17 Where is boasting then? says Rav Shaul. Paul the Apostle. It is excluded. By what Torah? The Torah of works? Absolutely not. But by the Torah of faith. Properly qualifying the word Torah is essential in understanding what it means to gaze intently into the Torah of freedom, the Torah perfected in Messiah. In the interpretation of the present text, and indeed the texts of Rav Shaul, Paul the Apostle, those who misuse the word Torah to always refer to the five books of Moses make themselves liars and false teachers. In looking intently, it is our eyes that see, that is, spiritually hear and the intention of our gaze that either neglects or accepts what we spiritually hear, what we see. When we gaze intently into a reflective surface, we see not only our imperfections and flaws, causing us to seek a covering for them, but we also see our inherent value. The complete, perfected Torah of freedom in Messiah, reveals our sin for the purpose of covering it and shows us our worth so that we will not deceive ourselves into thinking we are worthless. The reflection of God's complete instruction is one into which we should gaze intently until all is complete. Yeshua said not one notation or mark will be removed from the Torah until all is fulfilled. The reason for this is made clear here in Yaakov's letter. We need the Torah as instruction in Messiah. It is a guide for those who have the word, Messiah, born in us. No longer is it seen as the punitive law of those who merely glance at it rather for us it has become a reflection of our new nature it's worth noting that the earlier allusion to the created heavenly lights which include the sun and the moon which reflects the sun connects to the analogy of the reflection of the perfected Torah in messiah in a figurative sense just as the moon reflects the sun, so too we reflect the all-existing light of God. We await the completion of all things, the day when all that exposes sin will evaporate from the Torah, leaving only that which is good. Messiah himself, the Word, will be all that remains of the Torah. In the Olam Haba, world to come, we will return to Shuvah, to the state of Adam and Eve prior to the fall. We will again know only the good. Yeti the good inclination, is the current indicator of a time yet to come when there will be no need to distinguish between good and evil, because there will be only good. In order for this to happen, evil must be eternally encased in itself this being eternal damnation, the lake of perpetual fire, recorded in Revelation twenty fourteen to 15 In the Olam Haba, the world to come, we will have no need of a reflective surface that exposes our faults because in Messiah, in God, we will be without fault. Until then, we have the complete Torah of truth as our present help and guide. The complete Torah of truth is the written Torah revealed in the living word Messiah Yeshua, our King. We are reminded that we are not saved in order to become lawbreakers, but so that in right relationship with God, we might act out of His righteousness and thus be seen to be children of God through Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Immanuel, God with us. Hamelech the king. Verse 26 reads, If a person thinks himself to be religious, a servant of God, yet doesn't bridle, guide, direct his tongue, but deceives his own heart, core being, this person's religion, service to God, is vain, worthless. David, the psalmist, in Psalm thirty nine one says, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. To bridle the tongue is not the same as binding the tongue. This is not an admonishment to be silent, but rather an instruction to guide one's words in the same way a horse is directed by the bridle, bit and reins. The bridle is pulled over the horse's head and a bit placed in the mouth attached to reins that are used by the rider to direct the horse. To bridle one's tongue means to employ the authority of the head and actively direct what comes out of the mouth. Wicked speech is evidence of a lack of self-control. We note that the Greek threskos, commonly translated religious, means to be a trembling worshipper and the Hebrew, Oved Elohim, a servant of God. How ludicrous then to say as many modern Messiah followers do, oh, I'm not religious, I have a personal relationship with God. This is a statement of hubris a false choice that pits like things against one another in order to elevate the status of the speaker. It is not religion, but vain, defiled religion that is being addressed here. The following verse affirms this by explaining what pure and undefiled religion is. By misusing the word religion, we become the vain spiritual practitioners we accuse others of being. When we translate the correct meaning of the word religion, the statement, I'm not religious, I have a personal relationship with God, is really like saying, I am not a servant of God, I have a personal relationship with God. It's a glaring contradiction. An example of self defeating logic, self destructive thinking, self delusion. A Messiah follower who walks rightly before God can say with confidence, I am in a relationship with God, and because of this, I practice pure and undefiled religion. Consider this Yeshua was religious. And if it could be said of him that he was not religious, then he would not have been the promised Messiah of Israel. Finally, verse 27 reads, Pure, clean, clear, and undefiled religion, service before the face of the God, the Judge, and Father, is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their distress, trouble, affliction, and to keep one's soul unspotted by this world. Note that God is the father of the fatherless, so that when we visit the fatherless, we are reflecting the father heart of God, who places the lonely in families. Three central Jewish spiritual teachings are alluded to in verses 26 and 27. Firstly, Ancient biblical Judaism did not have a word for theology prior to the Hellenization of Israel by the Greeks. This means that Judaism always taught faith in action rather than the use of the mind alone to philosophize over God concepts. A Jew cannot separate godly concepts from godly actions The center of the Jew, being the heart, is not to be understood as the heart devoid of the mind, rather it is the intersection of all parts of the being, made echad, a complex unity. Therefore, hypocrisy is anti-Jewish, anti-God, and anti-Messiah. One who thinks, that is, theorizes, talks about God, that he is righteous, but doesn't keep his tongue in check, deludes himself and his religion is worthless. Again, this affirms Yaakov's previous warning not to allow lust to give way to temptation, sin and death. Our idle words are worthless. On the other hand, our worthwhile actions are the very words of life. Secondly, Yaakov reminds us that religion is not the problem, we are. He is reminding Jews in the Diaspora to maintain a pure observance of the perfected Torah in Messiah. He is not saying that observance brings salvation. He has already said that humbly receiving the implanted word brings salvation. On the contrary, He is calling the Jewish diaspora to return to their true identity as Jews in Messiah. Many lived in nations that worshipped false deities, practicing abominations against God on a daily basis. Yaakov reminds his fellow Jews of their worth as God's chosen people. Thirdly, Yaakov asks that his Jewish brothers and sisters keep themselves separate from the pagan practices that surround them. The Torah gives specific instructions for the care of Israel's widows, her poor, her orphans, and the foreigner living among her. Yaakov is calling the Jews of the diaspora back to these guidelines as a starting point for the all-encompassing loving action of the gospel as defined, as perfected Torah. From the beginning, God has asked Israel to be separate, called out ones, set apart, which is the very essence of what it means to be holy. Here, Yakov reiterates this well-known Torah concept, connecting it to the unspotted sacrificial lamb of God, the Mashiach, Yeshua. In doing so, he endears himself to both Messianic and non-Messianic Jews alike. Honoring the tradition of ancient Judaism and belief in Messiah, he then goes on to fill it with hope for the future. That hope is born in Mashiach, the one we had long awaited. We, like Yeshua, are called to be unspotted, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. The first chapter of Yaakov begins a book of unified spiritual-physical reality. We will see throughout this book the three concepts of shamor, observance, v'zachor, remembrance, v'halakha, and action these concepts are a unity that is they are ichad. they are not able to function properly outside of their connected circle of existence the word of life messiah in us reminds zahor us to observe shamot in turn our observance shamot causes us to remember zahor what god has done what he is doing What he will do, by our observance and our remembering, we give birth to action. This is halakha, the way we walk. There is no longer room for theology on its own, because the life we now live in Messiah is a life beyond theology and its limitations. We are worthy because we have worth. God has set the measure of our value in the life of His Son Yeshua before the foundation of the world. You are loved with an everlasting love. Therefore, I urge you, fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, through the mercies, compassion, emotions of Thee God, that you all present your bodies as a living, breathing sacrifice, holy, pleasing, acceptable to Thee, God. This is your reasonable, logical service. Romans 12, verse 1. This brings us to the end of the first chapter of Sefer Yaakov. In the next episode, we'll take a look at chapter 2. As always, the commentary for this study is available on our website, www.bethmalek.com under the heading Yaakov's Commentary. If you type in Yaakov 1, the two articles on Yaakov 1 will come up and you'll be able to select the appropriate article. Please join me again next time for Sefeo Yaakov Chapter 2. Shalom Lechem.